Hello, this is Father Jeremiah from the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, and you are listening to From the Friars Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would renew us today, that you would open our hearts, our minds to your presence, that you would guide us and draw us ever deeper into you. And Mary, we give ourselves in this conversation totally to you. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is a reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Paul, standing in the middle of the Aragapis, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by men, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all men life and breath and everything. And he made from one every nation of men to live on all the face of the earth, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel after him and find him. Yet he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, in one of her letters, she writes these very beautiful words. She says, it seems to me that I have found my heaven on earth, since heaven is God, and God is in my soul. And then she says, the day that I understood that, everything became clear to me. Now, these deeply and beautiful, profound words, they do not come to us from a soul who had various degrees from prestigious universities. They do not come to us from a soul who traveled extensively throughout the world or who had great apostolic experience. 
nor do they come to us from a soul who had important roles in society or in the church or even in her own religious community. Nor do they come to us from someone who lived a long and healthy life. St. Elizabeth of the Trinity entered Carmel at the age of 21, and she would die five years later at the age of 26 from Addison's disease. And yet this beautiful soul in her relatively short life with relatively little life experience discovered something that many people, and I would even say most people, will never discover or will never live their entire life. And yet she discovered it at such a young age. And what it was that she discovered was namely that God and therefore heaven is not somewhere out there. Or that God is not somewhere over there or even back there behind us. But that God is actually right here within me right now. And she affirms those words of St. Paul that I just read from the Acts of the Apostles, that it is in him we live and move and have our being. And so regardless, really, of the circumstances of my life, Regardless of my vocation, regardless of things like my age or my ethnicity, whether I'm healthy right now or whether I'm sick, whether I'm happy or whether I'm sad, I am living in the presence of God right now because he dwells within me. And I think, I mean, obviously all of us are aware of this because this is a theological truth. But to live from this reality changes everything. Because by realizing where God ultimately is, Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity, and of course, obviously she's not the first saint, so many other saints and mystics discovered this, but they teach us something that is so crucial for our relationship with God. And it's namely that this relationship with God that we have is primarily an inside job. 
course, we live in a world where there's so much happening exteriorly, so many things that we encounter exteriorly, which affect our relationship with God. But ultimately, this relationship with God that each one of us has is an inside job. And this is why I believe that when St. Elizabeth of the Trinity discovered this and realized this, she said everything became clear to her. Because of God's indwelling and her living from this reality, she found, in, in many ways, her true center, her true foundation. And therefore, she found freedom. Now, obviously, this realization is certainly the fruit of grace. Because this is not something that appears to us naturally. And, you know, in many ways, I can understand why. You know, we are taught to believe almost from a very young age. And we really have this natural inclination to believe that all of the answers to all of our problems in life exist somewhere out there, somewhere far away from us. That it's really somewhere out there that exists the peace and the fulfillment, the happiness that we're longing for. And so meanwhile, I have to try to manipulate life. I have to try to change all of the circumstances, all of the people in my life, so that I can experience this peace. And so most of us begin by looking out there. Most of us begin by looking out there for peace, for fulfillment, for happiness, and even God. And you know, we find it to some extent, maybe in a religious community, maybe in a marriage, or in a job, or a certain role that we're given in life. Or maybe we find it on a vacation, or on a retreat, or in some worldly accomplishment, none of which are bad, of course. But whatever we find out there, even what we find out there of God is never enough. And so our search for perfection through the things of this world in some degree always ends in vain. Or in other words, it never ends up being enough because it's incomplete. Many years ago, I was 
in California doing a retreat, and it was kind of a retreat geared towards young adults. And this one young man began uh, the Saturday morning by giving his testimony. And I've heard a lot of testimonies in my life, but I'll never forget this one. And so this young man was, at the time, he was 25 years old, and he grew up nominally Catholic, was no longer really practicing, but he was working in Hollywood, in the film industry. And he was just living a crazy life. He would come home every night at like three o'clock in the morning, and he would sleep until like noon. And so one morning he said he woke up at like noon, and all of a sudden he heard in the depths of his heart a voice that said to him, be still and know that I am God. Now, he didn't know his Bible, unfortunately, but we all know that's Psalm 46, verse 10. And so he sits up in his bed and he tries to do exactly what this voice told him to do, to be still. So he closes his eyes and about 30 seconds later, he jumps up from his bed and he runs outside and he starts chain smoking for about an hour. And so he forgets about what just happened, goes about his day. The very next day, same thing. He comes home at like three o'clock in the morning, wakes up at like noon, hears this voice once again, be still and know that I am God. And so he's like, all right, I'll try it again. Maybe I'll have better luck today. So he sits up, he closes his eyes, and this time he lasts about a minute. And then he jumps up, runs outside, and starts chain smoking again for like an hour. Now, you might be wondering, as I was wondering when he was telling us this story, what the heck is wrong with this young man? But what he said, what he described was that when he was still, even for a brief moment, 30 seconds, a minute, he said he became aware of a presence that was living inside of him. And he said this presence was extremely peaceful. It was extremely gentle and loving. And he was none of those things. And so this presence terrified him. He naturally panicked and ran away. It makes sense. When you're not living in the light, light frightens us. We run away from the light. This is exactly what he was doing. And thankfully, after many months later of doing this, so after more silence and less cigarettes, he finally became more peaceful. He finally became more loving and more gentle. Because he began to realize that this was God. 
who was trying to get his attention. But he said that ultimately, his conversion was this slow and steady experience of the presence of God, which he said did not come from out there somewhere, but came from within him. And what this young man was experiencing was simply the divine indwelling, God's presence in his soul. And because this reality of the divine indwelling is so profound, you know, it's worth asking ourselves, how did this happen to us? Right? When did God move in with me? How did I get such a great roommate to live, <laughs> to live life with? And, you know, contrary to what I think many people today might believe, I think especially because of just the influence of the New Age movement and maybe just some bad theology and bad spirituality, the divine indwelling, God's life, God's presence within us is not something that every person enjoys or possesses. Now, I know that's probably, that would not be a popular thing to say today uh, in public, but it's the truth. <clears throat> God does not dwell inside every human being. Now, God is present to every single person, and every single person is known and loved by God. This is the way things are naturally for all of us with God. God is present to them, and they are known and loved by him. But we are not called to have merely a natural relationship with God, but a supernatural one. And so how does a supernatural relationship with God occur? Well, something has to happen to us. And that something, of course, is baptism. In the Gospel of John, Jesus has this beautiful and deeply profound conversation with Nicodemus. And remember, Jesus says to Nicodemus, he says, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus, like a good student, asks Jesus, well, how can a person be born again? Must he enter the womb of his mother again? And Jesus says to him again, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, we are told in the Gospel, is a ruler of the Jews and a teacher of Israel. He is a man 
who knows God to some extent. And yet his interpretation of Jesus' words is that there must be a physical rebirth to enter the kingdom of God, to be able to see God. And Jesus, of course, does not demand a physical rebirth, but a spiritual one. And the only way this spiritual rebirth can occur is through baptism. Because it is through baptism, and only through baptism, where we really experience a dramatic and serious upgrade in our relationship with God. Where we essentially move from being known and loved by God to becoming his children by adoption and in turn receiving God's Trinitarian life, his very presence in the depths of our souls. In other words, it's only through baptism where we receive the divine indwelling. And it's so mysterious. You know, I've only, I've only baptized probably a handful of people in my life, mostly who are babies. And the reality of God's presence entering that soul in baptism is something that obviously you cannot see with your eyes. But to actually partake in that sacrament is such an incredible reality. No wonder the babies oftentimes cry. It's so, it's just simply so profound. And, you know, St. Paul alludes to this in his first letter to the Corinthians, when he reminds them, he says to them, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have from God? Which will lead St. Paul then to remind them and us that you are not your own. Why are you not, why are you and I not our own? Because God lives inside of us. Because God dwells within us. This is why, obviously, it's always wrong, theologically and morally, to say things like, it's my life, it's my body. The reality is, among those of us who are baptized, there is an infinite amount more to us than our life and our body. So in order to be known and loved by God, to have the Holy Trinity dwelling within us, we must be born again. And we all have been. But obviously, like all things, for us to experience the reality of baptism and to experience its fruits, we must live our baptism as deeply as possible. Because holiness does not occur by accident. 
or by osmosis, but by our participation, by our consciously choosing the things of God and living in a godly way. And there are just simply so many implications stemming from all of this. But I think one deeply important truth regarding the divine indwelling is that it reveals to us the incredible mercy of God. And because of original sin, we enter this world, right, scattered. We entered this world lost and afraid. And through baptism, God immediately addresses, addresses our human condition, our human situation. Because through baptism, he comes to us and saves us. And he takes up residence within us. So we don't have to waste time looking out there for God. Wondering, is God over here? Is he over there? You know, the reality is, is that St. Elizabeth of the Trinity discovered this at an early age. But for most people who do discover it, it comes through and comes after much suffering, much heartache, and much misery. And at least God on his part in our baptism is saying to us, I want to spare you from that. You already have everything you need. There's a very beautiful section in uh, the Spiritual Canticle by St. John of the Cross. And in this section, it seems like he's writing to this soul who is most likely experiencing a bit of anxiety because she feels like she has lost the presence of God, right? An experience we can all relate to. And so he writes to, she writes to St. John of the Cross, and she basically asks him, where is God? I can't find him anymore. I can't feel his presence anymore. And this is how he responds to her. He says, most beautiful among all creatures, you are anxious to know the dwelling place of your beloved so that you can go in search of him and be united with him. But now I am telling you that you yourself are his dwelling and his secret inner room and hiding place. There is reason for you to be elated and joyful in seeing that all of your good and hope is so close as to be within you. Or better, that you cannot be without him. What beautiful words. You yourself are God's dwelling and his hiding place. 
When this soul comes to St. John of the Cross and she asks him, where is God? He responds by reminding her that God is within. That she is God's home and God's dwelling place. And that it is impossible for her to be without him. And one of the things that this reminds us of, and again, naturally to us, this is probably will come as a surprise and even a bit of a shock. But it reminds us that right now, we are already one with God. That we are already now united with him. Now, does this mean that we are perfect and canonizable saints? Probably not. Maybe some of you are. But most of us are not. Nor does it mean that we have reached transforming union and have climbed the heights of the spiritual life. Probably not. It's a very long journey. But we have to remember that holiness occurs and increases in us through surrender, through sinking deeper into the life of God, which we already have in virtue of baptism. And maybe this analogy will help. It's almost as if in baptism, God has placed us in the ocean. And the ocean being a metaphor, of course, for, for God. And so in order to grow in holiness, we don't have to go looking for the ocean. Because we're already in it. But what we must do is sink more deeply into the ocean. What we must do is surrender ourselves more deeply to its mystery and to its love. What we must do is trust more deeply in its providence and its care for us. And what we must do is hope and believe that this ocean that we're living in, God, is goodness, is truth, and love itself. And therefore, there's no other place that I belong. And that when I allow myself to rest here, in this ocean, in God, I lack nothing. Absolutely nothing. Just in case you don't believe me, St. Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, he says to them these words, 
I give thanks to God for all of you because of the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in him with all speech and all knowledge so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 to 7. You are not lacking in any spiritual gift. Now, most of us probably can't relate to that verse. We probably feel the opposite, that we're lacking pretty much everything. Thank God our feelings are not truth. What St. Paul is alluding to here is the, feel, is the reality or the fact that the Christian life, because of the reality of the divine indwelling, is more about unpacking than packing. It's more about getting rid of things than acquiring things. When I used to travel more, I really never traveled a lot, but I really don't travel at all now except to come here. Um, But when I did travel occasionally, every single time I would be on a plane, every single time, there would always be one person who put too much stuff in their bag. And you would always see that person, you know, trying to stuff that bag in the overhead compartment. They would be punching that bag. They'd be kicking that bag. They would get other people to help them to try and push that bag in there. And it never worked. The flight attendant would always come and they would say, you know, sir or ma'am, your bag is too big. We're going to have to check it. And they would always say, no, it's not. And they would try again and slam that bag in the overhead compartment. And you know what? The flight attendants are always right. They do this for a living. We should trust them. The bag is always too big because there's too much stuff in that bag. And that's kind of like the way it is with us and God. We don't need more stuff. God has given us his very life and his very presence in baptism. We have everything we need. However, we do need to do two things. We need to believe this and we need to get rid of all of the stuff that is blocking or preventing us from experiencing more deeply God's life in us. And this will be the work of purification, which we'll talk about three talks from now. But ultimately what we need to do is get rid of the things, whether they be attitudes, whether they be behaviors, whether they be relationships or dispositions that are prohibiting the life of the Trinity from rising up within us. This is ultimately the work of the spiritual life, an emptying of self so as to be filled with God. John the Baptist knew this so deeply When he sees Jesus, the first thing he says 
is that he, Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. And so discovering then and realizing the presence of God within us is of utmost importance. Without trying to sound overly dramatic, it really is the difference, a matter of life and death, at least spiritually. Because if we don't know where God is, we will look for him. We will hope for him in places very far away from us. Very far away from where he actually is. And if we do this, we will naturally attempt, most likely without even realizing it, begin to manipulate life, begin to manipulate other people, begin to even manipulate our vocations and our apostolates so that I can try and create and have some knowledge or some experience of God. And as tempting as this is, and as natural as it is, it never produces fruit that lasts. It might produce a a certain high for a, a day or two or maybe a week, but it never really lasts, nor does it ever lead us to any deeper change or transformation. Because the more we search for God out there, the more we believe that God lives in some distant land far away from us, the more frustrated and alone I will feel. Because we will constantly be missing God who lives inside us. Let us then pray for the grace to realize this more deeply and live this extraordinary reality in our lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to From the Friars podcast. Please check out our website at franciscanfriars.com and find us on Facebook and Instagram at CFR underscore Franciscans.